This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Moranalytics podcast is being brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Pulse Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone out there looking for premium wireless phone service at less cost with straightforward plans, no strings attached, no confusing fine prints, none of that BS that you seem to get with every other carrier. Pulse has you covered nationwide in the United States with unlimited talk and text, premium fast LTE data plans, hotspot coverage at no additional cost in all 50 states as well as the Caribbean, Canada, and Mexico. Plans also include unlimited free Wi-Fi calls internationally when calling U.S. lines. If you don't want to buy a new phone and you prefer to use the one that you already have, Pulse can check your phone to make sure that it's compatible. It's rarely a problem. Most phones are compatible, especially iPhones. You can get a brand new phone number or you can keep your old phone number. At worst, you'll have to wait while your current provider disconnects the number that you're using now, but ultimately you will get that number. There are no credit checks. There are no contracts. There are no overage costs, no hidden fees. Go visit PulseCellular.com. Check out their plans. You will be blown away. And as a bonus, put in promo code Moran on any online order and you're going to receive another 10% off the total price. Again, promo code Moran at checkout, 10% additionally off. Telling you, you can't beat it. Go there again, PulseCellular.com. Check it out. Find out for yourself what more and more people are finding out every single day. And that is life is better with Pulse. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, let's get this going. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 137 of the Moranalytics podcast, presented by our friends at Pulse Cellular. Today is Tuesday, July 23rd. I am Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for listening and for downloading. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so right now. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to be joined by my man, Nate Gary from WGR 550 in Buffalo, sports talk show radio host there, 
first time that I've had Nate on the podcast in a little over a year now. Nate's moving up that ladder, man, at WGR. We got a lot to talk about. He and Joe DiBiase are taking the reins on the Bills kickoff show, 10 a.m. Sunday, Bills game days. Howard Simon's stepping down from that. It's a very big opportunity for Nate, as well as Joe, to do radio on Bills game day mornings now. Of course, Nate also does the halftime show and post-game coverage as well. By the way, Nate's also taking over for Sal Capaccio, who's stepping down after eight years as the host of Sports Talk Saturday on GR from 11 to 2. Sal's still at WGR. He's doing everything else. He's just not doing that show anymore. And Nate's taking that over on a full-time basis. We'll hit on all that stuff. And then we're going to kind of deep dive into Buffalo Bills training camp. We'll have a preview. Nate and I are going to run down each position on the team. We'll go through position by position on the roster. And we'll highlight some interesting things that has us looking forward to camp some of the roster battles, some of the decisions that we feel like we're likely to see. Both of us, by the way, enormously high on Tremaine Edmonds. And Nate's also locked into a few other guys on the team that he'll talk about in much more detail. Also going to do a fun little exercise. As many of you know, I lived in Buffalo most of my life before moving to Florida a couple of years ago. And I was talking about on Twitter this past weekend about some of the Buffalo businesses that I most wish that I could bring with me to Florida. I put a poll out there on Twitter and kind of asked for their responses as well. For people who follow me on Twitter, what businesses would you take with you, whether you're from Western New York or wherever, and you were to relocate somewhere else, what you would most like to bring with you. And it got me thinking, man, I thought it would be a fun topic to do with Nate. So he and I are going to power rank our top five Western New York-based businesses that we would relocate with us if we could. And then we're going to wrap with the Analytics podcast, traditional mini lightning round. You'll learn many more fun facts about Nate. By the way, I think he's a guy that's, um, his star's on the rise when it comes to the Buffalo sports community. I truly believe that, man. I like his future. I think he's a, a knowledgeable guy. He's got a good radio voice. He's adaptable to all kinds of media, including working with the quote-unquote non-mainstream media outlets. I think that really helps him expand his brand. He does a lot of good stuff, man. And uh, I'm going to have that extended interview and it is an extended interview with Nate. Had that in just a second. Real quick though, I just wanted to congratulate Michael Hans Jr. who won the three Buffalo themed t-shirt prize giveaway that I ran recently on my Twitter and on this podcast that of course was sponsored by our friends over at Identity Inc., I look forward to doing more stuff with them in the future. Go check them out, by the way, identityinc.com. If you're looking for any 716 gear or you got company promotional merchandise, trust me, man, you don't need to look any further. Identityinc.com. Again, congratulations, Michael Hans Jr. Don't want to waste any time here at the top because like I said, this is a nice extended interview with Nate. We cover a lot of stuff, a lot of Buffalo stuff today. So let's just hit that right away. Let's get right down the business. Here it is, my man, Nate Geary, WGR 550. Today, Junior! (laughs) All right, I am joined by recurring guests, although it's been quite a while. On-air talent over at WGR 550, a guy who stars really on the rise lately, man. Uh, Nate Geary is joining me right now. What's going on, dude? It's been a while. How you been? 
Yeah, man, it has been a while. I'm doing good. Uh, the summer is coming to a very abrupt end. And, and I always say the summer is coming to an end. And people are like, dude, it's mid-July. And I'm like, but yeah, but you don't understand. Once the season starts, my summer's collectively over. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, either way, it's an exciting time. Uh, I always kind of look forward to this time. This is, you know, when, when you've played football for most of your life, this is the time of year anyways where your summer's over. So I've been, you know, my summers have been over in mid-July since I was, you know, 10 years old. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's just fine for me. <laughs> That's cool, man. So we're going to talk Buffalo Bills in a little bit. Head on training camp, do a little positional breakdown, a little preview. And I got some other things, some fun human interest stuff that I want to head on with you. Before we get to that, though, man, want to send some props to you. Congratulations on the promotion. You and Joe DiBiase are going to be doing... Countdown to kickoff on WGR for Buffalo Bills game day mornings now, replacing Howard Simon. Obviously, that's got to be a very big thrill for you. A nice little step in your career as it continues to progress, man. So props, man. Congrats. Yeah, man, it's it's a huge step. And it's and it's one, you know, you, you never do know in radio when your next opportunity comes. It's uh, yeah, a, a lot of people say that the opportunities come quick and, and you don't even really have time to reflect. And it's kind of. Um, exactly that, man. You know, it seems like just yesterday, it was five years ago that I started with Entercom as a um, part-time producer on, you know, their ESPN 1520 station. Um, and in five years going from just a part-time producer um, to a, uh, you know, a rare on-air guy to a staple and a regular on Sundays, now into the main network positions, really um, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's one of those things where, you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be here where I am right now, um, I, I would have called you crazy. It's just, you know, you, you never know. And, and obviously, um, it, it takes a guy like, a like Howard to step down and create a position, um, that obviously Joe and I are both very thankful for, but you know, I mean, Howard is, I, I, I joke with him, but it, it is, I'm very serious when I say, you know, he's the godfather of morning sports talk radio, you know, and it's, I remember watching Howard on, you know, Empire Sports when I was a kid growing up and, and listening to him in the pregames, going to the football games uh, when I was, uh, you know, when I was a season tick holder. So it's, it's very cool um, to come full circle like that. I'm definitely excited for the season to start. And, you know, the first time I was on air, Pat, um, for the Bills, um, the first time, the first year I started doing it was 2015 season. Um, and the 2015 season, if you remember, was maybe one of the more exciting um, off seasons, they end up with Percy Harvin. They've got um, this collection of offensive talent with Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, LaShawn McCoy, um, and and, yep. and right Charles Clay. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, what a great time to be going in this. This is the you know this is the year for the Bills. And of course, we know how that year went <laughs> and how all that. But it's just you know it's 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 kind of crazy to 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 think about where where uh, where everything's gone in such a short amount of time. Were you a little bit surprised to learn that Howard was going to be stepping down and this would open up a door and opportunity for you and Joe to do this show? Or was this something that you at least kind of expected? I'll tell you, I wasn't exactly expecting it. Um, it was definitely something, you know, with Howard. I mean, Howard's been there for, you know, uh, 20 something, 20 some odd years, you know, right. and, and not only that, he's paid his dues on Sundays. Um, he wants to be more of a, have the ability on Sunday to sit down, watch the game and listen. I mean, when I, you know, fill in host for Jeremy and I go in in the morning, you know, Howard's there at 4.55 in the morning for right. a 6 a.m. show, you know, preparing and, and everything else. So he, he, it's not like he just shows up, you know, he puts a lot of hours, a lot of time in. Um, and, you know, I mean, John Simon, his son's out of the house now. So he's 
you know, he, he's got an opportunity to uh, to kind of sit back on Sunday afternoons and all the power to him. Yeah, man, for sure. And that's not the only thing that you got going on. Of course, you're going to continue to do the halftime show on WGR as well as post-game stuff as well. And after eight years, Sal Capaccio's no longer doing the Sports Talk Saturday show. He has decided to step down, which has opened up another opportunity for yourself. That's going to be your full-time gig on Saturdays from... 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. So yeah, man, 2019 is definitely, definitely shaping up to be a big year for you, and it's well deserved. Good job. Yeah, man, and it's you know obviously it's great for Joe as well, and and I'm excited for Joe. Joe and I actually uh, we worked together prior to GR. Uh, we worked at Dick's Sporting Goods together right after right after high school and in college. Really? Um, and yeah, and uh, funny enough is you know he obviously went to Buff State too. Uh, we ended up taking a few classes together at Buff State. Brayton. Derek and Joe and myself, all of us went to Buff State all at the same time, oh, all wow. took the same courses. Uh, and I was actually the first one to get in. Uh, I got Brayton an internship uh, and then I got Derek an internship. And then so it kind of turned out where uh, us four who have all been there pretty much the same amount of time. Joe came a little uh, like a year after that. Uh, we all came from the Buffalo State Communications Department. Um, they, they all did the, uh, the radio station WBNY at Buff State. I didn't. Um, but you know, it's, it's equally as cool for Joe too, because you know, he's a, a similar, uh, ascension period where it's, it's been very quick and very moving for him. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people confuse our voices. Uh, usually when Joe's on, I end up getting rage hate tweets about his terrible, <laughs> about his terrible his takes. takes. And then, yes. And then, and then, and then Joe gets hate rage tweets about my, about my food takes while he's on the air or while he's, uh, sitting around. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. You know, both of us, we really enjoy working together. Um, we've known each other for a long time, so it's a, it's a very natural fit for the both of us. We're excited. Well, I'll tell you, Nate, one of the things that I like about you is that you work full time at a mainstream sports outlet and certainly WGR's mainstream sports on par with like say the Buffalo news, the athletic, um, some of the bigger TV stations that cover sports in Buffalo. That's the mainstream sports outlet. And it's very easy when you are a mainstream sports media member, they tend, not all, I don't want to say all, I don't want to put everyone in one category, but blog, bloggers, the blogosphere, the non-mainstream podcasting world, outlets like that, uh, some of the mainstream people tend to kind of turn their nose up a little bit at them. That's certainly not the case with you. You're very piped into that world as well. You do a lot of work with Cover One and their podcast. Great work with them. And also... You're still down with the boys from Trainwreck Sports, which I think is really cool as well. So it's important to you. I, I feel like it's important to you anyway. I want to speak for you. I feel like it's important to you that even if you are working at a mainstream sports outlet, that you still have a very good understanding of the blog is fair and a lot of respect for those guys and girls as well. Well, you know, I, I mean, considering I'm I'm probably one of the younger, if not youngest, um, you know, I'm 27 years old. Joe's Joe's only 24, 25. So Joe's getting younger than me. But um, I mean, considering, you know, in, in the Bills media world, um, you know, Joe and I are some of the younger guys. Right. So um, we, we kind of uh, grew in with this new era of, of blogging and uh, and video podcasting and podcasting. Right. So yeah. um, because we were sort of brought into it with that technology within that realm, we're basically anybody that wanted to do it could pick up a mic and do it. If they, and if they're good, people will listen, you know, and it, with train wreck and, and, you know, obviously with you and a lot of the other, uh, a lot of the other podcasts, 
um, cover one, obviously being, uh, being one that I started, you know, with Eric when he first started that thing out. Um, and he had, you know, 2000 followers. Um, and you know, that, that, that's when I started with Eric and, and I saw it early with Eric is just there. And, and same with train wreck is they're just ability to, to, um, you know, disseminate information to, to give information in a very different and unique light. And, and that's what's pod the podcasting world is so great. Um, four is sort of being able to deliver information in a, in a unique opinionated way where everyone wants to sort of be able to hear opinions, but it's hard in a lot of cases around it here, especially with, with the, with the competition level, it makes everyone else better. I really do believe that, you know, I, I think everyone is sort of forced to have their, their a game when you've got the cover ones of the world, when you've got the, um, you know, the train wrecks of the world. And I really like that about the industry. So that, uh, you're right. I'll, I'll probably never, uh, I probably never shy away from my blogging boys. That's for sure. Yeah. And I'll tell you an entity like Trainwreck sports has done a really good job of making a name for themselves because they're very committed to their style and they have a nice niche. And like I said, they're really committed to doing that. If they only had like a podcast once a week and didn't do much else, it'd be like, yeah, whatever. But they got their nose in the ground, man. They're at as many things as possible. And they're covering a lot of different things in a variety of ways. And they have their own style. And I think it really works for them. As far as Cover One, listen, I think Cover One is as good as any outlet out there at all, period, when it comes to breaking down Buffalo Bills players and game film and things like that, which kind of leads to, by the way, a point that I had discussed last week, and I, I did because they made it public, Cover One. They were denied media access by the Buffalo Bills, and they were not happy about that. Eric posted on a, or tweeted about it last week on Twitter. Wanted to get your thoughts on that because I think that's a very delicate subject and I spoke about it on the show last week and I want to be fair to media organizations or I should say the ones that grant them access in this case the Buffalo Bills because it's not always quite that cut and dry. I've talked with people on both sides and I know for a fact that there's some people who end up getting media access and then they end up going to the games and they sit in the press box and they hang out in the locker room but at the end of the day they really don't write anything after the games or they don't do anything differently than whether they had media access or not. There's nothing different about this. So no reason to grant them. There's people in the press box who probably shouldn't be there. And then there's people who deserve to be there that aren't there. When it comes to cover one specifically, I wanted to get your thoughts on all this and what happened. Yeah, it sucks. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the, the people that I know inside the PR department of the bills, they, they know I, I do work with cover one. Um, it, 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 to me, it's never, and, and they've, you know, expressed this to me. It's never been a situation of quality of work or whether or not they're a blog or, or, or what have you. I think it really, what it comes down to at the end of the day is it's the NFL, right? And, and the NFL is very touchy about their quote unquote intellectual property. Right. And when you have a blog that, you know, 90% of its content is, um, redistribution of video content that they basically say is got a paywall, right? Like NFL game pass is all paywalled, right? right? So they, to, to be able to access their intellectual property, they want everyone to be able to pay for it. They don't want it given out for free. They don't want a blog, um, to be able to, to, you know, have that film and, be, and, and have the commentary on it, which I think you know, sort of the shitty part of the game, to be honest, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of the, the, the short end of the stick because, you know, you look at leagues like the NBA and major league baseball and, and the NHL, not maybe not the NHL as much, but the NBA sticks out to me as the league that, that they, they want their league accessible. They want to continue growing 
Um, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get in front of the most people. And, and the NFL sort of has a different mindset on it. And, and, and they want every bit of revenue they can generate, whether that's, you know, $5 for a paywall, just to preview something uh, it's $5 in their pocket. So it's, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is it's a, it's an NFL thing. It's, it's, it's not at the fault of the bills. I don't think, obviously it's not at the fault of cover one. It, I, I think it, it, it speaks to a bigger, um, more, I, I think a deeper issue with what, what the NFL wants and, and, and kind of how they're continuing to spread and grow their game. They're just not with it yet. Um, it, it, it may never happen under the Goodell era. So well, we, it's, it's disappointing, but we, you know, I know they're going to chug along. They're going to continue creating um, some of the best content out there. But in terms of if, if whether or not I think, you know, Eric or, or one of the guys there, and especially Eric, you know, I absolutely believe that he brings a different element to a to an interviewing room no or, question. you know, after a game and knowing questions to ask um, that that other guys either simply aren't qualified to to understand or know and then to ask. Um, but just the, 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 being able to go a little bit more back and forth and rather just have, you know, one question and kind of, a, a, a 20 word answer. And then on to the next, um, there's a little bit more engagement there and, and that's what we'll be missing. But, you know, hopefully it's something in the future that, that works itself out. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I never really thought about it that way before. You're absolutely right. I mean, the NFL is a business and if you give cover one, I'm just using them because that's what we're talking about specifically. If you give them media access to make their product even better that might generate even more subscribers to cover one and in turn maybe those people who subscribe there aren't going to take their money and give it to the nfl because for them that ultimately that's what it's all about you're not going to want to get the game pass or rewind or whatever it is that the nfl is offering that charges people money so yeah it's a real good idea never thought of it that way another day i wanted to talk to you about by the way i've known you for a couple years now i've gotten to know you pretty well over the last year since i first had you on this podcast i feel like you've matured a lot in the way that back then you were constantly, I don't want to say fighting with people on Twitter, but you were really going at it with them. And it's one thing for fans and interaction. I get that whole aspect of sports media and how you want to stay engaged with the fans, whether they're it's a pro or a con, but at times there's dicks and there's trolls, man. And all they want to do is incite you and generate a response. That's all they're trying to get out of you. And I think far too often, not too long ago, I felt like you engaged them and gave them what they wanted a little too often. Now I feel like it. And if I'm wrong, you know, let me know, man, that kind of matured a little bit and you pick your battles a little more now. And sometimes, at least sometimes anyway, you just say when someone's being an idiot, you just say, you know what? It's not worth my time anymore. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's no question about it. But you know, here's the thing, right? I, the 2018 Buffalo Bills draft cycle and into the 2018 season was maybe as, as polarizing from a local level out into the national media right. as like the 2016 election cycle was like, it was that polarizing and there was that many, there was just division sown between what people thought pre-draft to what they thought post-draft, especially of the quarterback. Um, and, and there was just so much polarization. And I think, um, that it, it, it turned Twitter and, and especially Bill's Twitter into a, a rather ugly place. And I, I certainly think that it, it, that there's been this maturation process of, of probably just us as a fan base in general of sort of coming to this acceptance level that listen, you know, not everyone's going to like Josh Allen and, you know, when they unfairly criticize him on things, you know, of course we're, we're going to be here to, to call it out, but it's, it is what it is. And, and I think for me too, 
Um, it's just, you know, it can be a little exhausting. I, the one thing that I always tried to try to pride myself on, um, especially when, when I know how I was before I was on the radio is I, I always try to engage with people that engage with me on Twitter, you know, as, as I'm getting closer to 10,000 followers, sometimes it's harder than you, than you'd imagine. You know, it's like, you, you always have people that, that are responding to your takes that, that, that are in trying to be engaging. And there's also people that are trying to engage by, you know, just calling you an idiot Being or assholes. saying your, yeah, your takes are it, terrible, right? <laughs> that's their only, they're doing it on purpose. They only, they know that I could get Nate Gary to blow up. You know, I could get him to, to, to go off on a tangent and that's why they do it. They don't even necessarily agree with you. The Skip Bayless's of the world, the Stephen A. Smith, that's exactly they right. say something because they're taking that counter argument. No matter what that argument is, they're going to take that counter argument just because they know that they could get out of you. Do you feel like you're starting to do a better job of just saying, you know what, F it, man. Sometimes it's just, not worth it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you are, man, to be honest. You know, that, that, and, um, you know, it's, it's just, Twitter's a a really interesting space. And, you know, the, the more I'm on it, uh, the more I realize that it's, it's great to be away from it at times. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I, I don't, I, I, I definitely, I mean, I've definitely scaled back a little bit and there's, I try to pick my battles, but I always still try to engage, um, as much as I can, because I think it's, it's, it's what makes, um, kind of my brand or who I am that that's just kind of who I am is, is, is my Twitter persona is, is very much, it's very similar to the person that I am. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of my thought process. on it. And I've tried to, as much as possible, um, like you said, pick my battles, especially with the trolls, um, of the world. But you know what, uh, when you don't engage them, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of times when, uh, you, you have these people that just never leave you alone. So sometimes it's good just to nip it in the butt early. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so, man. Um, all right, let's switch gears here. Bills embedded the series on YouTube on the bills, YouTube channel premiered just a couple hours ago before we started taping this segment. I got to watch all four episodes. I don't think you've gotten to watch the entire thing yet. How much have you had an opportunity to watch at this point as we start to tape the segment? Yeah, I'm two se- I'm two episodes in, I should say. Um, so I just watched the uh, the draft episode where they were right about right at the end of it. They were getting into the uh, the college free agents, and I'm excited to watch that episode because um, they they made it seem like it was a very it was a lot like college recruiting, um, where it was almost more intense than the. Um, under free agency period where they're, you know, trying to recruit guys and, and getting players on the phone with guys that they knew with agents and former players. And, uh, it, it, it definitely, it, it, the, the series, they do a great job. Um, the school of sports and entertainment, they do a great job with it. I, I'm, I'm happy that they did it for the off season too, and not just the training camp. I thought the training camp one last year was really cool, but I love the, listen, I love exposure. I love access. I fought, uh, I fought people about this. Um, last year, right, right at about this time, it was about this time last year, I, I was fighting people. It seemed like where I, I just wanted more. And, and I thought that the bills had a lot to, uh, they left a lot to be desired in terms of access and, and presenting a product to, to the fan base. Um, and you know, kudos to them for sort of taking criticism like that, because it wasn't just for me, it was from a lot of people, yeah. um, and really, and really turning and listen, I mean, it's, it's a new regime. Um, it's a new organization, a new front office. And, and I think, you know, the, the people at PSC are doing a great job, um, making it an entertainment product. Cause at the end of the day, it's a game. Um, the access should just be, that should just be part of it because it's great. And it's, it's, people consume it. I mean, you, they, they could make crap videos and people would consume it. 
So, you know, I, I mean, hell the, you know, the little basement blogger who puts together a hype film to an Eminem track can get, can get 15,000 views in Bill's Twitter. So, you know, it doesn't matter what you put out there. Just give us access. Damn it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I really got to give props. She did it again. Michelle Girardi is just absolutely incredible. Don't get me wrong. I know it's a staff collaborative effort to put something like that together, but she really is the best producer out there. Absolutely incredible. I had a couple takeaways that I wanted to hit on real quick. Then I'll get a thought or two from you. First and foremost, one, you know, a lot of it is hype stuff, but there's some inside stuff too, that you would only know by watching it or you know, maybe that you've heard about it, but you don't believe it until you see it with your own eyes. One of them is this team really wanted undrafted free agent wide receiver, David Sills, right after the draft. They were frantically trying to get all this guy. This is the guy they wanted to sign right afterwards. Barkley um, is close to him or, or has a connection to him. He called Terry Bagula, got on the phone with him. I thought that was really cool stuff. The process of training up for Cody Ford, they kind of highlighted that a little bit. I thought that was really cool. And I'll tell you, I was absolutely blown away by the new facilities. They're really state-of-the-art. The, the hyper chamber, the weight rooms, just all these things in there. It just absolutely blew me away, man. It kind of makes you wonder why they ever want to leave Orchard Park. Even if they do eventually build a new stadium and if it's downtown, I don't know, man. Maybe knock that shit down, build a new one right there. I, I don't, Again, it, that's a conversation for another time. But it does make you think, doesn't it, that even if they do build a stadium, and if it's not in Orchard Park, maybe if it was downtown, I don't see them getting rid of this state-of-the-art facilities that they're spending a lot of money on. What do you, What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's maybe the most interesting development of this process is that they decided to build the state-of-the-art headquarters right in Orchard Park. They, yeah. they didn't, you know, they didn't move it off-site somewhere. Um, they, and, and listen, I, I think at the end of the day, this whole stadium talk, um, I think what's going to end up happening is they end up continuing to put money in the current stadium. Um, you know, here's the thing, what, to build a new stadium, what do you want to add? I think really at the end of the day, more luxury suites, right. Is like what you would want to add because that's what the NFL deems is, is high revenue opportunities with corporate suites. That's not that that's just, you know, you could add, uh, an entire new row of corporate suites. Uh, what does that do for Buffalo fans? You know, like that, that's not really in this market. We don't have some sort of, you know, budding industrial utopia where we've got all this corporate money that we can, um, you know, put into, you know, corporate seats and, 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 and boxes and things like that. So it's like that, that's what you're building a new stadium for. If, for me, if you can continue upgrading every year, every off season, the concessions, seating, um, if you want to add some seating, if you want to add more, I think adding more screens, which they've been doing basically every other year is, is adding larger screens that like that to me, I, I just think that they're going to continue to update Orchard Park until they literally, um, are forced to, to, to make a change or make a move. Otherwise, I just don't think they, they view it as something that they're going to have a hell of a time getting New York state to pay for, um, for, for any part of this and, and getting a taxpayer footed bill here. Um, so at the end of the day, I know Mark Poland cars wants to keep him in Orchard Park. Um, I know a majority of fans want to keep him there. And here's the thing, like, you know, I grew up right down the street. I grew up uh, right across from Frontier High School. In Frontier, you could see the stadium um, from our football stadium. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we always like, I mean, I, when I was 16, 17 years old, I was, you know, putting a backpack together and walking up to the stadium um, and, and walking back home after games. So it's like, that's, that's sort of the unique part is it's one of the only stadiums that's smack dab in the middle of a suburb. 
um, where you have all of this offsite parking and maybe that's, maybe that's a motivational factor. Maybe they don't want any private parking lots anymore so they can control all the raging bills, mafia fans. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the motivating factor. I think either way, nothing's going to happen for, for a decade at least. And, and I would be surprised if they moved out of Orchard Park. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent there. One last thing too, about that series and we'll move on. I felt it's not that I didn't feel it before, but watching this and don't get me wrong. A lot of it's typical NFL hype videos. Can you kind of pumped about the team, watching them in action a little bit at OTAs and stuff like that. But one thing I really feel about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean is a, a sense of authenticity about them. They're really believable to me. When they say something, I feel like they believe it. I didn't feel that way about Rex Ryan. I didn't feel that way about Doug Barone. I didn't feel that way about Doug Whaley, but I do feel that way about McDermott and Bean. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are on them at this time right now, but I don't know if you feel that way. Do you feel about that? Do you feel like they're authentic, that they're the real deal, that they're really embedded into this program and they're really all in, or are they just two guys who got jobs and they're just trying to do it the best they can? Yeah, I really felt that from the beginning, to be honest. And, and you know, it sometimes it felt like Rex Ryan was part of a Broadway show, right? that it was really just, you know, what was the flavor of the day? What was going to get, what was going to get the reaction? Um, it wasn't authentic at all. And, and, and I could say the very opposite. It's very business-like. Um, it's, it's very, it feels like a, like a very much like a corporate structure, but a small corporate structure where everybody seems to be in sync, in tune in lockstep. Yeah, and that, and that yeah. goes from the general manager to the develop, to the pro player personnel, to, um, you know, your head scouts and, and just like watching the embedded series, it really, I, I think encapsulates what it means to have coercion in your, in your organization. And I just don't really remember the time in my, in my cognizance, my sports cognizance of this football team, where it was so, it was so, such a one message. It was a one point. It was a one voice. And it, it's been very unique where they're just, it, it's not the head coach and the general manager. Well, the general manager didn't hire the head coach. So they don't have a great relationship, you know, the Whaley and Ryan thing. And then Russ Brandon's, you know, shadow power that was over everything and 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 for once you very much you see the hierarchy you see that from the top down that brandon beans the voice inside that organization and and sean mcdermott is the voice of the players and and you can see that hierarchy for the first time and it works now can they you know in year three listen this is the first time going to year three where we're not talking about is this coach on the hot seat right Um, typically we don't get to year two so, and um, should this guy yeah, be the starting quarterback? Yeah, I agree it, with you. 100%. Exactly. So like the, the, the narrative is a business narrative. It's not a drama narrative. And I can appreciate that for the first time in a long time. I'm with Nate Gary from WGR 550. And this is what I want to do right now. I'm going to fly through these positions with the Buffalo Bills as we get ready for training camp and get your thoughts on them. And let's just start with the quarterback because here, I don't think there's any real mystery. Josh Allen's the one Matt Barkley's the number two. No questions about there. If there's any drama at all, it's does the local UB kid, Lamar Jackson, does he perform well enough that maybe it warrants the Bills considering keeping a third quarterback on that active roster? Or do they try to sneak him into the practice squad? Or does he just flat out right not do well and get cut? I think that's the one intriguing thing about that position right now. What are your thoughts? I guess they'd have to, they're going to have to know whether or not they can squeak him through to the practice squad. I think they probably can. 
Um, because the other, the only other way that somebody else would be able to scoop him up is if they're going to add him to the 53 man roster and who's going to across the league, you know, he's a developmental player. I just don't think that with, with some of the numbers they have at the running back and wide receiver position, that keeping three quarterbacks is almost out of the question. Yeah. Um, so Tyree Jackson have to have an unbelievable camp and I I think they're very comfortable. They re-signed Matt Barkley, um, to a three-year deal. Uh, They, they very clearly like him and his presence. Him, him and Josh Allen clearly have a good rapport. I, I think Matt Barkley is probably one of the safest bets in the roster this year. Yeah, I agree. And switching to the running backs, I've been proven wrong time and time again. I've long thought that the end was imminent for LaShawn McCoy, but that certainly doesn't appear to be the case. And Brandon Bean has said that from day one. And we're going into camp, and he's still, as of right now, at least in number one. But anyway, you got McCoy. You got Frank Gore. You got TJ Yeldon. They drafted Devin Singletary in the third round. They got, of course, Patrick DeMarco will be the fullback. To me, the one intrigue will be if that fourth halfback, I'm assuming they're going to keep five running backs. So the fourth halfback, either TJ Eldon, who they signed as a free agent just before the draft. And then also Sonoris Perry will be in the mix, who's a special teams guy. Marcus Murphy's on the roster, but I don't really see much chance of him making it. But anyway, how do you see the back end of that running back roster playing out right now? Because to me, it comes down to assuming, again, they're keeping four tailbacks. It feels like it's either going to be Yeldon or Perry. Yeah, I definitely think Frank Gore and Singletary are probably your two safest bats at the position of making the team. Outside of that, you know, LaShawn McCoy's position is is going to be an interesting one to continue monitoring. Listen, you know, last year he got like three preseason snaps, three carries, right? So he, it's not like we're going to see a lot from him in the preseason. I don't think you're going to see a lot from Frank Gore. This is going to be the Devin Singletary, TJ Yeldon, and Sonoris Perry um, show in, in not only training camp, but in preseason, they're going to get the majority of the carries. I think you're going to get a real good feel of what Devin Singletary is pretty early on. Um, and, and I think you'll know that in training camp as well. Um, outside of that, I think TJ Yeldon's really interesting to me. 55 catches last year on a really bad Jaguars offense. Right. Yeah. Um, really just kind of flying under the radar. No, if, if you didn't know that he had over 65 uh, targets last season, you would have, you, you know, if you didn't know that you would have never guessed it just looking at the player. Right. So, and, and thinking about his body of work. So I, I'm really excited about Yeldon because I think he brings a, um, the, the thing that I like about the whole room is really every player brings their own sort of dynamic and they're, they don't all do the same thing. Um, they're not built from the same cloth. So I really like that, that they all bring different elements to the, to the position. It's going to be, it'll be interesting to see what the hierarchy is, but I do think, you know, the idea here is let's, let's use McCoy. If he's going to be, um, if he can still be efficient, which I think he can with the right offensive line. And he had the worst run blocking offensive line in football last year. It'll be nice to see what he can do with a competent one, especially one that's got Cody Ford and, and, you know, Quentin Spain, these guys that are big, that can move, that can create some separation of the line of scrimmage. So I, 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 I like the running back situation. I think we're going to learn more as camp goes on, but don't sleep on TJ Eldon for sure. Moving on to wide receiver, I don't think there's much intrigue when it comes to the first four. We all have our thoughts on who's one, two, three, or four, whatever. But John Brown, Zay Jones, Cole Beasley, Robert Foster. I'm a Foster guy personally, at least based on potential anyway. But regardless, let's not worry about who's the one, the two, the three, or the four. Those four guys are going to be on this roster. Andre Roberts, they signed special team star. I would imagine he's going to be that fifth guy. And if they keep six, this is where I think it gets interesting because you have David Sills, who, like, the Bills are hell-bent on getting this guy. I'm telling you, I was really impressed with what I saw in that embedded series. They like him. You got Isaiah McKenzie. He's back. Cam Phillips. This is a position in the back end of the roster where I think it's going to be interesting and one of the fun things to follow throughout camp. 
Yeah, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on Duke Williams as well because yes. that, that, if, if you know anything about Duke Williams yeah, and about Auburn, he was an electrifying college wide receiver. Um, it, it, the reason that he wasn't in the NFL wasn't because of his lack of ability on the football field. It was the things happening off of it. So he's a really interesting guy. I think him and Sills are going to be right in the thick of things. I think they like Isaiah McKenzie. Um, however, if you look at a guy like Andre Roberts, um, what's the difference between those two? Can Andre Roberts do the same role that Isaiah McKenzie played last year as sort of like that scat back, a guy that's going to get end around carries. And and I think the answer to that question is yes. So if, if you're looking at those two, I think it's either McKenzie or Roberts. I don't think you keep both. And and in that mind, I think the, the, the time that you mentioned they put into Sills, um, the dedication that they kind of showed him and, and, and paying him a lot of money and guaranteed to come here and play in Buffalo, I think says a lot. And I think he brings a unique dynamic to, if he were to be added, I, I think a guy like Duke Williams or him kind of provides that same large catch radius uh, Bill, I, what I really like about Sills is his route running is super nuanced. He is the kind of guy that inside the red zone could be a really, really, really nice target for Josh Allen. So yeah, I, I think it becomes down. It comes down to Isaiah McKenzie, Duke Williams, and uh, and David Sills for that for that sixth position. And truly, I think what it comes down to for that sixth position, it's going to be Duke Williams against David Sills because um, I don't think you keep both Isaiah McKenzie and Andre Roberts unless Isaiah McKenzie just has an unbelievable camp. When you look at the tight end position, Tyler Croft's broken foot threw a monkey wrench into what the plans initially were. Of course, they did trade two fourth-rounders to move up into the third and get Dawson Knox. They also drafted Sweeney in the seventh round. They signed Lee Smith, who's a completely different type of tight end, blocking tight end. And then they got Jason Kroom and Keith Tobridge they re-signed, so he's going to be in the mix as well. So you got a lot of bodies right here competing for probably what's going to be three, maybe four tight end spots on the roster. Well, here's the thing about that third quarterback position, right? And keeping a third quarterback, I think the tight end position probably uh, doesn't allow you to do that. And I think they're going to end up, I think they potentially keep four guys. And and the four that I'd probably look at is Croft. Does Croft start the season on the PUP list? That'll be the interesting thing. If, if he starts on the PUP list, they probably keep three and and keep that roster spot for another position and then be able to add him come midseason. Um, that 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 would make sense to me from a from a personnel standpoint, right? But I think outside of Croft, I think Jason Kroom is not necessarily a lock, but I like his ability. Um, I like his positioning in the lineup. I think he he he's gonna have a meaningful um role this upcoming season. So I think he's in there. I, I also think that um that Dawson Knox could really end up being one of the steals of the draft. I know there's a lot of people that that think the same thing. Connor Rodgers a bleacher report. Um, I had him on after the draft and he's a Jets guy. And he said um, one, he thought one of the best draft picks was the bills trading up to get Dawson Knox in the third round. Um, thought he was one of the more underlooked tight ends in the draft in a really deep tight end draft um, just because of his rawness and his ability. I, I think Dawson Knox is going to push there. Um, and then I think when you look at those three, I think Lee Smith is the other guy too, just because you, what you mentioned brings a totally different um, blocking element, red zone element. So I think they end up keeping four. It'll be Croft, Smith, uh, Kroom, and Knox, I think. that's, And then you end up having Sweeney on your practice squad. Did you ever think you'd be covering a team, a Bills team, where you can make a very strong case that offensive line is going to be the most interesting part of the summer? Because I think that's where they're headed. I'm not saying it's going to be the most fun but I think it's the most interesting in the, in the most to be settled because they signed a billion guys and they drafted Cody Ford early. But to me, 
Mitch Morse is the only guy that you can take a pen and write down his spot in pen. The other guys, it's pencil. You know, you got Deion Dawkins on the left side. Is Naseki going to play right tackle? Is Cody Ford going to play right tackle? Is he going to slide in the guard? What about Spain? What about Spencer Long? What about John Feliciano? Wyatt Teller is still in the mix. You know, it's just a lot of things that could go on. Adrian Waddle, is he going to be the third tackle, the swing tackle, or is he going to be the fourth tackle? Because Cody Ford and Naseki both play tackle, and so does Dawkins. There's just so many unanswered questions when it comes to the offensive line. That For me personally, especially considering how historically awful they were last year, this just fascinates me probably more than any other part of this Bills roster right now. Well, what I love is on in, in, in the interior, they've got like three or four guys that can play the center position. Right. And to me, that's huge, right? Because then you can just basically scratch out Russell Bodine, which I hope they do. I just, I, I think if you're looking at Spencer Long and him, give me Spencer Long because Spencer Long can play both guard positions right. and also play center. So I like that. John Feliciano, another guy that was practicing on the second team as the center um, during the offseason with, with Mitch Morse being out. Another guy that could play both interior positions and the center position. So right there, you can keep one true center in Mitch Morse, and then you have two guys in Spencer Long and John Feliciano that you feel fine and comfortable with. That gives you flexibility across the roster. If you could have three interior guys who can all play the same position, then you have Quentin Spain. That means you can keep four interior offensive linemen and Morse, Feliciano, well, five altogether with Morse. Um, that's a huge advantage that you don't have to keep two centers on the roster. That's huge. So Ty Inseki, uh, he's the interesting one. Does he start at right tackle? I think he does. Um, I, I think that the logical position for Cody Ford right now is is at the right guard position. I think he's the best player at that position right now. Me too. Um, and it, it makes the most sense. And then on the left side, I think Quentin Spain's a shoe-in at left guard. And and obviously Deion Dawkins at left tackle. If your line is Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain, Mitch Morse, um, Cody Ford, and then Ty Inseki, I'm re- like, that's – that's athletic. It's huge. Um, I love the pass blocking prowess. I mean, you have maybe the best pass blocking interior um, in the league at that point. I mean, how good they're going to be in a run game, I'm not sure. But if you're talking about just in the interior, um, I mean, Quentin Spain is one of the best uh, pass blocking offensive guards in football. Um, Mitch Morse is not, if not the best pass blocking uh, center in football. He's number two. Um, and then I really like Cody Ford's ability. So that that would that would intrigue me the most. Um, and then obviously, yeah, the, the, the swing tackle position will be the interesting one of Cody Ford checks down in the guard. So you feel pretty confident that Deion Dawkins is going to get another year when it's all said and done at left tackle, because there's been some talk that maybe they try moving him to the right side or slide him inside the guard, but you feel pretty good that they're going to give him another crack at playing left tackle again this year. I, I, he definitely, I don't think can play on the right side. I think early on, um, in training camp his rookie season, they, all you got to do is, is throw some, and I think Eric showed some film on cover one of him on the right side. He's just a complete disaster footwork-wise on the right side. It would be a big transition for him. On the left side, I think that you've got the left guard situation taken care of. The the one position outside of Ty Inseki, you don't really have another guy that has any experience playing the left tackle position. And I think they like the end Dawkins. They drafted him. They traded up for him. It's a player they really like and they've put time in developing. I think it's just going to be on him to this year make take that step forward. Listen, year three is a huge year for the development of, of NFL players. You typically are going to know, especially if, if you're trying to determine whether a player is good or great, year three is the year that it comes out. And I think that's what a lot of people aren't taking into account when they're thinking of how good the Bills could potentially be. Listen, if, if Trey White becomes an all-pro player in year three, that's a huge, huge, huge step forward at a position where you were good, but now you're great. 
Same with linebacker. If Matt Milano goes from being really, really good last year to an elite level player, that's two positions on the defense. Important positions. You have elite level talent. And and the same thing on the offensive side with Deion Dawkins is if he could take a step to being a good or just because he was a very mid-level player last year, if he can just be really good and not even an elite level player, man, that's huge for the Bills and and what their offense could potentially be. So I, I like Deion Dawkins. I think year three at the at the left tackle position, I, I I'm most interested in watching that. All right, let's hop on the defensive side of the ball. Started with the line. I don't think there's really much intrigue. At defensive end, you got Jerry Hughes, you got Jack Lawson, you got Trent Murphy. Those are your three defensive ends, assuming they stay healthy for sure. Fourth end could be a little interesting. You got Yarbrough, you got Mike Love, a couple other guys may be in the mix. That might also be a spot that they look to the outside to upgrade their roster with the fourth defensive end. At defensive tackle, obviously you got Ed Oliver, Star or Those are your two good starters, assuming that Ed Oliver doesn't mess up at all. During the summer, I think he's going to earn a starting spot from day one. But here's a guy that I really want to talk about because Harrison Phillips. I really like this guy a lot. I know he was drafted last year, supposed to be the next Kyle Williams. I'm not sure that they're the, I, I get why the comparisons were there, but they're not exactly the same type of player. Won't play. He won't play that same spot the way Kyle did. I actually, I think that's more at Oliver's lane right there. But Harrison Phillips is a guy that I really like a lot on this roster. And I'm looking forward to keeping my eyes on him during camp in the preseason. What about you? Yeah, the defensive tech position is really interesting one. I, and especially because I think Phillips can go in at the one technique position um, and be the undersized guy at the one technique. And then you have, um, you know, at Oliver over at the three, which I think is his more, I think is his natural position. And I think for the first time in his, you know, I would say post high school career at Oliver is going to be playing in a position of strength for him and not being asked to play over the, over the, uh, the center in a zero tech or a one tech. Um, in a defense where he was seeing almost every day double and triple teams, right? So that that's an exciting thought process that in the NFL, he's going to probably be seeing less attention. Um, and that's what Starla Tulele's role is going to be this year is not only a lot of what we heard about in the past with him is, you know, can he can he take up enough blockers to keep the linebackers clean? I think now it becomes, can he take on enough double teams? And if he's not double teamed, and they have to all of a sudden start double teaming at Oliver. Starla Tulele might become a very good interior run defensive player, but not only that, then your linebackers really are clean because if Starla Tulele isn't getting double teamed, then you've got then you don't have issues at all. But I agree with 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 Harrison um, Harrison Phillips. I really like his ability. I, and listen, Jordan Phillips too. I think one, two, three, four. Their defensive tackle position um, has taken a, a step forward from last year. Obviously. We all love Kyle Williams, but there's no there's no denying the fact He's that having down. Right. Adal, yeah, and, and there's no denying though, and he yet and yet you can make the argument that midseason he was maybe their best defensive lineman. Yeah, um, and even in a, in a in a reduced role, um, but like Ed Oliver coming in the spring chicken that he is, the energy that he didn't play that much last year in college because of the um, he was basically sitting out towards the end of the year, so he's got a lot of. He's got a high motor and he's got a lot of energy and he's rested. And, and I like that about Ed Oliver and this defense. This The interior of this defensive line is going to be a good one. When it comes to the linebackers, there's really not much to say. Milano, Alexander, Tremaine Edmonds, those are your starters. Bashan Joseph, they drafted. I expect him to start providing some quality depth as a rookie. The one thing I do want to say is that probably more than any other player on this roster, even included Josh Allen, by the way, I really want to see Tremaine Edmonds over the next handful of weeks or so. I think this guy's going to impress the hell out of everybody. Playing middle linebacker in the NFL is not easy. And as a rookie, he spent a lot of time learning last year, but I think he's got a better grasp now in year two. You combine 
intelligence and experience with the natural God-gifted athleticism he has, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. I would not be surprised to see him have a big-time breakout season in year two. I'm going to give you a hot take. Uh, and so just, just for this podcast, I, I think that in consecutive years that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and, and I'll say more so Sean McDermott because he was a bigger part of the um, the previous draft than, um, than, than Bean was because he kind of came out after the draft, is I think that they're going to end up likely drafting in back-to-back years all pro linebackers in Matt Milano and, and, and uh, Tremaine Edmonds. I think wow. this year, um, I, I, I think, I believe that, that, Matt, uh, that Matt Milano is on that level. Um, and I thought he, before the injury last year, was the best player on that defense last Me too. year. Um, I, 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 I truly thought that. So I think this year, um, just with what, what I'm most excited about, Pat, is I think that, that Tremaine Edmonds, as good as people thinks, think he can be, I think he can truly make this defense into the best pass defense in football um, because he is the most unique middle linebacker in all of football. His ability to go sideline to sideline in terms of a pass defender in zones, um, he is a nightmare for quarterback. Six foot five with that wingspan and that athletic ability, that speed, um, he's a nightmare for quarterbacks throwing over the middle of the field. I think he could absolutely lead linebackers in interceptions. Um, and then you have Lorenzo Alexander, who I think is still one of the best edge players in, in, in pass rushers um, in football right now. So he's at, at his age. So their linebacker position is maybe their strongest position from, from the starting point. Their backups, Julian Stanford, he'll be back probably unless somebody else can oversert, um, can, can, can figure out a way to beat him out in camp. I'm excited for Voshan Joseph. I, I think he's going to bring a, a sort of unique athletic element that they don't have in big nickel formation. So yeah, it's, um, I, I, I like what they have, but I, I do think that they've got two potential all pro players at, and that a lot on Tremaine Evans. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, the, the safety spot, not much to say when it comes to the starters, they're locked in Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, one of the better safety tanners in the NFL. If you factor in what they get paid in their contracts, they may actually be the best value safety tandem in the entire NFL right now. After that, they recently brought in Kirk Coleman. Mo Alexander was brought into the mix. Saran Neal was drafted last year. Dean Marlowe is going to be part of that equation. So if there's any roster spot battles going on at the back end of the roster, it's definitely going to be on the back end part when it comes to safety. Yeah, you know, I think the Coleman signing is a really good one. He had some of his best. He played his best football under Sean McDermott's defense in Carolina. So that's um, that was a that that move made sense for them with the Raphael Bush retirement. Obviously, you're right. I think you know they're they're the two top guys in Poyer and Hyde. Um, value is great. I I think that they're both in their prime. Um, I, I think this defense really highlights them and their abilities. So I'm really excited about the safety position. Dean Marlowe is a guy that I've been saying that people shouldn't sleep on. Nice, long, lanky guy can play the deep middle of the field. I think he's probably another guy that makes the team and we'll see who ends up. Sierra Neal is another really interesting guy. Um, What kind of role does he play? Is he, is he going to get more of a safety look this year um, than a true corner uh, than, than a true corner look? or like that big nickel look that he was getting last year. So we'll see what ends up happening with Sarah Neal. But yeah, the safety position is really interesting because I think that they're very set there. Um, the guys that are going to be coming off the bench now, I think are also pretty set. I say the cornerback position for last because I find it interesting because I think the six guys, I'm assuming they're going to keep six corners are, I don't want to say they're locked in all of them, but it seems logical that they already have their six. It's just a matter of where they play. Trey White is 
without question going to be the lockdown guy, the number one corner. And I also think Teron Johnson is going to be locked in at that slot nickel spot. When it comes to corners two, three, I'm sorry, two, four, and five, though, lots are up for grabs. You got Kevin Johnson, former first rounder. They signed him. They brought back EJ Gaines. And they also have Levi Wallace, the undrafted free agent, who played really well as a starter last year. And I don't think anything's going to be handed to him. Certainly not because of the guys that they brought in. But he's got a legitimate chance to keep that starting spot. And then Lafayette Pitts being the sixth quarter. What are you thinking right now when it comes to the corner position? Yeah, I mean, I think Taron Johnson is locked in at that nickel guy. And and, and I'm really excited for him going into the season healthy. Um, I hope that just by his playing style and that he can keep his shoulder healthy because he just, you could tell he was laboring at times last year and still was one of their best run defenders. Um, Trey White, obviously going to be the other locked in guy. I'm really interested to see how this cornerback two situation plays out. Had EJ Gaines decided to stay in Buffalo last year, maybe he's a guy um, that, that is more of locked into that starting position. The thing that they like about EJ Gaines is he can slot in on the inside too. I think he'll, he's going to be on the field for a, a percentage of plays this year that Kevin Johnson between Kevin Johnson and Levi Wallace. That's really the most interesting cap battle that no one's talking about. And Kevin Johnson to me is a former first round pick, a lot of injuries. He's got that chip on his shoulder. Levi Wallace, another guy who I think he's the Bama guy, right? Levi Wallace. I'm pretty sure it was. A, yeah, yep. Yeah. He's, he's the one that had the injury in his pre-workout um, for the combine. And he, we, everyone knew he had the size, he had the speed. Um, was he going to be able to transition? And I think they really like him. That's a really interesting how that position plays out, but I like Kevin Johnson a lot. Um, and, and either way, what I love what this team did and this position encapsulates it is they've added tons of competition and competition's only going to bring the best out of guys. And not only that, if a Kevin Johnson goes down, you feel very comfortable that you have, you have, you know, Levi Wallace and EJ Gaines um, to take that position. So they're, they're in a really good spot, the cornerback position, unlike the New York jets. <laughs> not going to talk special teams, man. My man, Reed Ferguson better be back. I'm sure Hoskins right. back and we ain't, we ain't got to talk about punters. Do we? Corey Carter, baby. Corey Carter. He's making the, he's making the move. Watch that's, it. That's a hot take right there. All right. I'm, I'm very confident in Corey Carter. <laughs> All right. All right. Enough about the bills. I got another topic for you. A little fun exercise that I wanted to do with you over the weekend. I put on Twitter, a, a poll asking people, All right, first of all, you know that I've lived most of my life in Buffalo and a couple of years ago, I moved to Florida. Well, there's some places in Buffalo that I really miss more than others. So I kind of posed this question to followers on Twitter of mine who are in the Western New York area, that if you were to move 1,300 miles away, whether it's Florida, like I live now, or maybe say the Carolinas or Texas, California, wherever, it doesn't matter. They don't have the places where you're moving to that you have in Buffalo right now. What place would you most want to bring with you? So I thought it would be fun to get you on here and we'll do a little bit of a top five because one's... I think would both of us would be a little bit on the obvious side. So we're going to power rank our top five and we'll, we'll go one at a time. All right. And I'll let you start. What do you got? What's for you? The number one place that you would want to bring with you to wherever you moved. My number one. Okay. We're starting with number one. Um, I got to go Ted's. Um, Ted's to me has been a staple. Um, I mean, they're I, for in Orchard Park. I, that was the one I went to for a long time. Um, it was, it's still one to this day, one of my favorite spots. Um, and just the milkshakes, the split, they have the best onion rings I've ever had. And 
it's all about the potato bun, man. So I'm a big Ted's guy. All right. That's a good one. My number one, and I'm not being exactly creative here, and it was by far the most popular answer on my mentions on Twitter, but I absolutely have to go with Wegmans. It's a no-brainer. That store is incredible, and I think you realize it even more when you can't get a Wegmans somewhere else. Like, there's a Publix down here. It's not that I hate Publix. I would compare it more to Tops than anything. I'm just not a huge fan of it. Wegmans has everything. They have better prices. They have bigger stores. They have better selection. I like the Wegmans brand. I love the sub shops and areas where you can get food where if you don't want to take home groceries, you just go in there to eat lunch or even dinner or whatever. There's just a million reasons why Wegmans to me would be number one. Number two would be Barbell for me. I don't, listen, they have elite wings. I don't think they're the best wings, but they're elite wings and they have an elite, if not the best roast beef sandwich. So they might not have the best wings or the best roast beef sandwich, although people could certainly make an argument for that case. But you can buy both of them and you got everything I want in, in Florida because down here, chicken wings suck and roast beef, literally most people haven't even heard of it. So Barbell for me is kind of an easy number two. What would you have it to? You know, it's funny. You and I, I bet you're going to are going to cross swords on a lot of these. Wegmans is my number two um, for a lot of the reasons that you listed out. I know there isn't a lot of great supermarkets wherever you go. The thing about Wegmans that I love and that and, and the reason that I picked Wegmans is because there's a couple of things I was thinking. I'm like, well, I'd really want to be able to bring Perry's ice cream with me. Oh, well, Wegmans has Perry's ice cream. So I'd be fine. I really want to be able to bring Jenny Kolsch with me. Well, uh, perfect. Wegmans has Jenny Kolsch. Yeah. I really want Salem's hot dog. Okay. Well, they, so it's just like, you, you kind of go down the list of all the great things that Buffalo has and, and Wegmans like has 90% of that. So Wegmans is number two for me. I'll tell you what, dude, you brought up Salins. You could buy them at Publix, but you know what they do? They rip you off, bro. Down here, they rip you off. You get a, a package of hot dogs. Salins are like $6 for just seven hot dogs. Sheesh. People that's, pay them. That's, Yo, it's they, they've got a monopoly on it right now because they know that no one else has it. Not only that, it's like it's like me trying to buy size thirteen sneakers. You know, they're they're twenty five dollars <laughs> more expensive than size thirteen because they know that there's only a few people that buy it and they need to buy it. So you know, it, it, screw the screw Publix for for jacking up the price. That's inflation, man. <laughs> what do you got for number three? So we're dipping again. I'm going bar bill number three for the reasons you said. It, I agree with you that they don't have the best wings. They don't have the best roast beef, but they're high enough where you can't really find a place that has the same level of both of them at one. So it's got to be barbell for me, and it's really not close. All right. I got number three here, and this is for my drinking purposes. I don't even know if you've ever been. I'm a big fan, personally, of Rusty Buffalo. I know they've done the pot there recently, but that's my bar, dude. I went there all the time. I got a lot of friends there. nice size bar, reasonable drink prices. You're not going to pay too much, but it's also... You know, it's not a dump either. It's a nice, big, open place, and that's just my spot. So I don't have a lot of bars down here in Florida that I really enjoy going to. So Rusty would definitely be on my third. What about you for four? What do you got? Give, so me, some, I did give similar, me something different. Let's go. I I did a similar thing. I went based on drinks, and I decided to do Ballyhoo. Uh, Ballyhoo in Buffalo, If by the way, I don't know if you've ever been. Um, but they have some of the best cocktails that you can find. They have the this cocktail called the old. Okay. It is super good. It's, it's really tough to go to in the summer cause they don't have air conditioning and it gets to be really hot in there. Um, but they've got, uh, they've got this call. It's called the old maid and it is a cucumber gin and something else. 
in a, and it's like one of my favorite drinks. Every time I, every time I'm out and about and I'm looking to start somewhere to get a drink, I usually start there, but it's not just the drinks. They only do, they do, they have four menu, four menu items and they're all sausages. Right. And I always get the Korean barbecue sausage. It's got, it's house made Korean barbecue sausage with kimchi and like this barbecue. So, Oh my God, dude, it's just unbelievable. And they have by far, it's not close the best Mac and cheese in Buffalo. It's not even close. No one else can even touch it. Um, so Bailey, who, uh, is, is my number four. And, uh, I would, if, if I had to leave this place and I didn't bring Bailey, who I'd be very upset. <laughs> I've never been there, but you kind of, you sold me on that. I'm definitely going to have to try it, but not in the summer. Not in the summer because I'm going to be in Buffalo in a week. It's man. too damn hot. But you know what? I I I will say this: uh, you, if, when you're coming up, I think you should you should make a trip, get a drink, get a, get yourself an old maid and a uh, and a mac and cheese with a with a sausage link. You're going to leave really really happy. All right, man, I'll do that. So with my fourth, and I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, and probably going to bring out some of the haters out there who tell me that there's far better Italian places, and maybe you're right, but. I like Pasquale's in West Seneca an awful lot. I think they got great Italian food. And again, I know places like Ilio de Palos and chefs are far better known. I get that. I understand that. But I really personally like the Italian food at Pasquale's. Love getting pasta there. And on top of that, they also have good pizza and really good steak subs that I enjoy a lot. And again, down here in Florida, getting good pizza is almost impossible. I've yet to find a really good Italian place to sit down and have a, a bowl of pasta. So when you combine all of those, again, Ilios is the more spectacular pick. Chefs is the more spectacular pick. But it's kind of like the NFL draft in a way. It's like, all right, they might be more talented. But now in this case with my fourth pick, I want the best fit. And for me, when it comes to fit, when you combine the pizza, the sub, and the pasta, Pasquale's becomes the best fit for me <laughs> so i you don't have to sell me on pasquale's because they had one in um it's not angola but it's um oh god why can't i think of it now uh past lake it's in the lakeview district why can't i think of it? it's not angola but there's there was a pasquale there was a pasquale's there um and i it was just close enough for me and they had a pickle pizza and it, it uh it's amazing uh, so <laughs> you don't have to sell me on pasquale's i'm all about pasquale's what do you got what's your fifth one what's your last one you got to bring this with this you. one i really labored on this one man i really did but i came to i need a pizza place right like that's the one thing if you're from buffalo that the pizza is just a unique thing here in buffalo it's not chicago style it's not new york style it's buffalo style i'm somewhere in the middle of those two right um I landed on Picasso's pizza and the reason being is Picasso's to me, um, their calzones are one of the most ridiculous things you, that you could ever order, but their pizza with their little like crack Parmesan dust that they put on their pizza. Um, <laughs> they, they do the pepperoni the right way. The, the, um, they're nice and burned and crisp on the outside and they're, they, it's like, it's like a, a pan slash, uh, it's some sort of hybrid, delicious square pizza that you just, it's hard to find a lot of places. The, the dough is, is perfect. My cousin used to work there. So I used to get great pizzas all the time. I knew the guy making them. Um, Picasso's pizza is sort of like, to me, uh, not talked about enough as, as right up there with, with Buffalo pizzas. So look very much like you for this last spot. I labored. I thought it was going to be really easy because I got through the first three quickly. And then I came on Pasquale's for that reason. I originally was going to say Paula's. 
but I talked about you this off air. We talked about this. There's a place down here in Sarasota where the donuts are even better than Paula's. So again, if I was in Texas and I didn't know, I probably would pick Paula's, but I already know where I live now. I'm going to have a good donut spot. Lenovo's is another consideration, not yep. necessarily because of their pizza, just because of so many different things, the barbecue wings, the steak subs that I would like to have down here with me. But there is, and this is funny, and I get, I guess it's lucky where I live in Florida. There's a Casa Pizza 10 minutes from my house. And they're, oh, wow. you know, in Buffalo, they're, what, average? Would you consider Casa average? Right, yeah. You know, they're middle of the average, pack. Yeah. Well, in Florida, they're not middle of the pack, bro. It's it's right there at the top. So I got that shit covered. And here's a hot take. You've been giving them all this whole entire podcast. I think Mighty Taco's overrated and it sucks. And my Ooh, wife, yes. my wife, my wife wants to kill me because me and her have had the same conversation. And after Wegman, she agreed with me. She said Mighty Taco would be her number two. I'm like, that ain't even gonna be in the top 50 yeah. for me. So it wouldn't be Mighty Taco. And that was a very popular answer that I got on Twitter. For me, I guess because I like like to drink and eat, I would probably come back with a second bar because they just lack down here good bars. There's lots of tiki bars and stuff, but those get old for mm-hmm. me. Give me O'Neill's. That's a good spot that Ooh. I like to go to to drink. It's right across from the stadium. They got very underrated, very underrated wings there. My man's a bartender yep. there. I, it's a it's a good crowd. You got the outside deck. There's music going on quite often. There's enough stuff going on that give me a second bar in my top five. I'd be very happy to have O'Neill's with me. I like O'Neill's. Um, O'Neill's is always, I mean, it's being close to where I grew up. So it was kind of a bar that I hit between that and the other place that I, that I think I have to go honorable mention here. Um, and, and I know there'll be a couple of my Hamburg Sabres media folk that will, uh, that will back me up on this, but JP Fitzgerald almost made the list for me. Um, especially if you're grew up in Hamburg, uh, another place that has a really good wing and, uh, beef on wet combo. Um, and not only that, but, uh, the drinks have been being poured, uh, extra cold at JP Fitzgerald's for, uh, for quite some time now. So it's it's an authentic, it's an authentic. St. Patrick's Day time place to be at too. But yes, down here it feels is. Florida feels so dude, St. Patrick's Day is cosmetic down here. It just feels phony. A place like JP's around St. Patrick's Day, that's a that's a real deal. Have you have you ever done the um the Reuben hush puppies? No. Oh, oh man. Yeah. They they are they are legit. They are too legit. All right. So here's what we're gonna do to end this segment. And this is what I usually do to end my segment with sports media and athlete guests. And I'll tell you, man, and this goes to show you how far I think you've come in this past year. I had you on a year or so ago on the podcast, but it was only to talk Buffalo Bills draft. I had you on, we talked draft, and that pretty much was it. I think you've come a long way. And like I've said throughout this interview, I feel like your star has been on the rise. And now that I got you on again, you deserve that same star treatment that all my sports media people have, man. So I'm going to end this with the many lightning round. And what I'm going to do is just ask you a bunch of random human interest questions. Not a lot of deep thought required at all. In fact, I encourage you to not have deep thought. Whatever the first thing is that pops in your mind, boom, bam. That's going to be your answer. No time to prepare. I didn't tell you this ahead of time. So let's go. Let's get started. In fact, right now, first one, favorite all-time athlete, please. Ooh, uh, Brett Favre. Who is the most entertaining fellow Buffalo sports media member that you know? There's a lot of them, but you can only pick one, man. Who who makes you laugh the most? Who's the most entertaining? It's got to be Maniac, Trainwreck Sports. got to be Maniac. Okay. What's a nice, relaxing activity that you like to do for yourself that doesn't include golf? And, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, you know what? 
let's pause the old um, mini lighting round because I forgot to ask you this earlier. I wanted to do that and I forgot. You're playing a shitload of golf right now. You know, I like to come to Buffalo and I have my chicken wings and I've been power ranking them. You've been going crazy playing a lot of golf courses and I'm not quite sure what you're up to when you're done doing that. So for people listening, let us know. What are you doing right now when it comes to golf? So, you know, what I happened is, is this year I decided, I'm like, you know what? I really need to get around. I've been only playing a couple courses for most of my life. This is the first year I really got into golfing. Um, and I, I kept Google searching, you know, best public courses in Western New York. And yeah. there's a list of 25 and it's from 2013. So there hasn't really been an updated list of what courses are, um, especially from 2013, you have courses around here that have made big leaps, um, new ownership. So I wanted to kind of, um, have an updated list from someone that's played it. I've also got some of the guys from our T to green show, Brian Cozy, or Kevin Sylvester, um, yep. that are going to, they're going to have some commentary in it as well. Um, so I'm hoping to, I just have two more courses to play. I'm on pace to play one. I'm, I'm actually going to be in California for the next four days. I get back Friday and I'm playing Ironwood, which is on the list. And then, uh, at some point next weekend after Bill's training camp, um, I'm going to play Tri-County. Once I play those two, I've gotten to all the public courses I wanted to play. Um, and I'll have my top 15 ranking at WGR550.com um, coming out within the next two or three weeks. So I'm really pumped about it. Uh, I thought there was a big need for an updated list. And yeah. uh, I'm just I'm, I'm going to do the Lord's work and pay uh, pay all the money just to just to give the content out. So <laughs> I like it, man. That's really interesting. So anyway, back to our mini lightning round. Give me a nice, relaxing activity you like to do for yourself that does not include golf. Oh man, that's basically what I do. It's not really relaxing. Um, I would say one of the, one of my favorite things to do and has been doing is actually cooking with my girlfriend. Uh, she's an Italian, she's an incredible cook. So now we do a lot more stuff together. Um, and I, I, I like things that like, like cauliflower that I never tried and never liked in my entire life. I now eat. So kudos to her in cooking, I guess. Favorite city that you visited and it can't be San Jose because I know you're going there to sweep, but technically you haven't been there yet. So favorite city you visited. That's right. Favorite city I visited, oh, man, I really like Charlotte a ton. Um, I think I got to go Charlotte. I, I just, it, it, it's, it's the one other city I think I would absolutely move to in a heartbeat. First celebrity childhood cross that you can remember. Has to be Topanga from Boy Meets World. It's got to be. Okay. <laughs> what movie gotta have you be. rewatched probably more than any other? What's a movie that you sit down and you're constantly rewatching? Currently, or have I rewatched the most over the course of my the life? Mo the course of your life. Signs. All right. Most overrated TV show ever. Ooh, most overrated. Uh, I got to go Game of Thrones, 100%. Okay. Name a TV game show that you could potentially dominate, whether it's something that's current or something in the past. A game show that you want to get on because you think you can win big money. I'd have to say Price is Right. Definitely Price is Right. Okay. You're on stage right now. You're at a karaoke show in this imaginary world, dude. You're an amazing singer. People are cheering for you. You grab the mic. What song are you going to rock out that's going to get the crowd going, singing along to you? What's your signature karaoke song? If you don't actually do it, at least in your own mind, in your own world, when you're performing a karaoke song, what would be that signature song that you wish you could do? Better than anyone else. This is, this is easy. Um, I know that I would win. Uh, I have a very unique 
uh, karaoke talent. And uh, I'm a unique in that uh, I can sing Queen karaoke very well. And I would do Find Me Somebody to Love easily. And that would absolutely get the people going. <laughs> All right, man. Who needs Adam Lambert for Queen when you got Nate Gary? All right. Third last question here. You're a sports guy, obviously. Let's just say that you went to Buff State, you try to get into sports, and for whatever reason, you went to WGR and it didn't work out, or you never even got there to that point. If it didn't work out for you and you weren't doing this, what do you think you'd be doing with your life right now? Man, that is a good question. I, I don't know. I, I, sports has just always been such a big part of my life. Yeah, it's um, I, you know, I, a Part of me really wanted to be a high school football coach. Um, that was definitely a path I was considering going down was, um, getting into coaching. I coached little league for a couple of years and just couldn't keep going because of all the other stuff that I had going on between GR full-time jobs and school. Um, but I definitely think high school football coach would have been in my, what was in my future had I not been uh, radio and, and doing what I'm doing now. Okay. Second last question here. If Twitter crashed right now and it Ooh, stripped, God. it stripped you of every single person that you followed and it came back up and it said we have a new policy you're only allowed to follow one person that's it i know this is probably not easy but you can only follow one person or one handle you can only follow one where it says nate twitter following however many people follows one what is it this is a really tough one it is um you know, only because he has the ability to make me laugh in an uncomfortable way where I wouldn't even want people to know that I was laughing at it, uh, is Sports Talk Barry. Uh, I don't know if you follow him. He's just absolutely... His 10,000 accounts? Because <laughs> he keeps getting is, He's just absolutely uncomfortably funny. Um, and if, if I had to only follow one person, um, it would have to be him only because it, it just... I love it's like watching The Office where sometimes like when you're watching Michael Scott, you have to like I literally find myself like pulling my pillow or my blanket above my eyes, even yeah. though I've seen the episode 15 <laughs> times. Like there's just episodes that you just have to cover your eyes. And I feel the same way with Barry. So Sports Talk Barry is my, my Twitter account for sure. All right, That's a good one. He'd be right up there for me, too. Last question here. You could have three dinner guests any air, dead or alive. Doesn't matter who it is. Any point in time, three people at your dinner table tonight. You're having food, maybe a couple drinks, whatever have you. Who are those three people? Who you got? Okay, so first one is going to be kind of crazy, but JFK. Uh, I would absolutely need need to sit down and have dinner with with John F. Kennedy. Okay. And then I'm going to go totally other opposite end of the spectrum and say Brady Quinn because he's like one of my favorite all-time quarterbacks um, growing up. And third, this is really – this is a tough one for me. Um, I would probably say – Oh, geez, who who would I really want to talk to? I guess I, I I definitely JFK has always been up there for me. Brady Quinn and oh god, I want to pick someone that I I don't think that would ever actually have a conversation with me. Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, like I'm gonna go and say something stupid like. Ooh, I've got a really good one. Joe Namath, hundred percent. Joe Namath, uh, Joe Willie Namath is definitely the guy I'd like to have to sit down. And I think all three of those people together would be a super interesting, especially JFK and Namath together. That, that, that that's the one. Broadway Joe for sure. That's good. All right, everyone out there listening, give my man Nate a follow on Twitter at Nate Gary five fifty. Thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate your time. We went for quite a while here. 
And congratulations as well. Again, you and Joe DiBiase are going to do a great job. Bill's pregames on Sunday mornings on WGR. I'm really looking forward to listening to that as well as you on Saturdays on the air and other times as well. Thanks a lot again, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Hopefully I'll see you next week and we can uh, grab a few drinks. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for this episode. Big thank you again to my man, Nate Gary, WGR 550. Always enjoy having Nate on the show. Speaking of the show, coming up on Friday's show, I'm going to have very well-known fantasy football expert, Evan Silva. He's going to be my guest. We're going to talk about his brand new EstablishTheRun.com that he co-found his career. Plenty of fantasy football, both on an NFL scale as well as a Buffalo Bills scale as we start to get you guys ready for your upcoming fantasy football drafts. Also, I'm going to have some thoughts on the remake of The Lion King which I saw this past weekend at the theater, by the way. Actually paid the money and went to see a movie at the theater. Did not use one of those Cody sites on my TV uh, fire stick to watch. So got some thoughts on that. Also got some thoughts on season two of Big Little Lies, which just wrapped up on HBO on Sunday night. Guys, if you have not yet done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast right now. Now, when you subscribe, new episodes will automatically get sent directly to your phone or to your computer within literally seconds of being released to the public. That's always the benefit of being a subscriber. You're going to get the new episodes before anyone else does. Usually have a new show every Tuesday, every Friday. Don't forget to also rate and review the show. I say this pretty much every week. Because it means a lot. It helps me grow this podcast tremendously. And it takes you about 20 seconds or so to do. Last thing, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I constantly have podcasting updates on there, information, polls, all kinds of stuff. So follow me there on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. Thanks again for listening. I truly appreciate each and every single one of you who take 60 to 90 minutes out of your day twice a week to listen to this podcast. It means the world to me. I'm humbled by that. I really am. I truly am. I'll be back with a new episode on Friday. Evan Silva, a movie review, a TV review, plenty to talk about. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.